Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hi, thank you for joining us on the Tube to Table podcast. This is episode eight, Every Moment Matters. Jenny is traveling, so we decided it would be fun to invite another member of our tube weaning team, Jamie, to be on the podcast with us. And we'll be talking about tube weaning moments, from some of the therapists as well as some of the families that we worked with. So why don't we start with introducing Jamie. How are you today, Jamie? I'm great. How are you? I am great. It is good to be here today. I know. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Of course. So why don't you start by telling us how you came to be a part of the two weaning team? Absolutely. So I started my career working in early intervention with Spectrum Pediatrics. Uh, So I was doing a lot of home-based therapy, seeing kids about once a week. And I started seeing, I was doing speech and feeding therapy at the time, but I really had more of an interest in the feeding side of things and especially doing it in the home with the families. So I started doing a little bit more feeding therapy and responsive feeding therapy with Thrive. And then I started training for the tube weaning program. And now I'm a full-time member for the Thrive tube weaning program. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more? Because I think for those people who don't receive early intervention services or receive early intervention services in different states, can you tell us what's special about the early intervention setting as opposed to some of the other settings? Yeah, absolutely. So the main difference, obviously, of early intervention that I think is pretty similar throughout all states is that it's done in the home in the child's most natural environment with the family there during the session. So it's parent-driven, it's home-based, and it really is all about incorporating therapy into the child's daily routine. It can vary, I believe, state to state on how much you're bringing into the home or what the focus might be with the family. My training specifically was done in Virginia, which follows the coaching model. And that is where we are focusing on working with the families to empower them to feel confident working with their child on strategies or helping their child throughout their daily routine. So our focus is rather than pulling out the child and be doing therapy outside of their daily life, we're walking into the home and doing therapy while the child's doing whatever they would normally be doing at that time. That's so interesting because I had almost the opposite experience in my early feeding therapy days. I think, you know, I was a therapist at the Children's Hospital for 16 years before coming to the Thrive program with Spectrum then. And in the hospital program, I knew lots and lots and lots about feeding and swallowing and all the medical things and did swallow studies. But the child and the family were obviously pulled completely out of their comfort zone, completely out of their home environment. Mm -hmm. And so it was nice in some ways because I got to set the environment the way that was the most conducive. But at the same time, it really, I think, was disorienting to the family and didn't always target their goals. So I think it sounds like between us, we have sort of a a whole picture of some of the different settings and 
pieces of feeding therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other big parts of early intervention is when you initially set the goals, you're doing it as a team with the family right there. So you're not, everything is done with the family in front of you. So the evaluation, Mm -hmm. the goal writing, the therapy. And so that is definitely a huge difference. I worked in a clinic for a little while and that was one of the biggest differences is again, you're just doing everything with them in their natural environment while they're in front of you. And that was is one of the things that's pretty similar to our tube weaning program, obviously, mm-hmm. is working with the families yeah. right there. But it's a little bit less intense, of course. So that's one of the differences right. there. Well, and that early intervention program is exactly what Spectrum and Thrive, what the tube weaning program is based in, is the importance of incorporating the family, the importance of making it naturalistic so it can be a sustainable thing and looks a little different for every family because every family is a little bit different. So it it's just an important highlight, I think, that we haven't talked about as much up until now about how that works in our program. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, I learned so much from doing early intervention, even if it was a focus on speech therapy or focus mm-hmm. on feeding therapy, it was still, when I transitioned to working in the tube weaning program, I had that experience of working in the family's home and that helped me a lot with my training and helped me, helps me, still helps me a lot with families. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things that I love about our program is that we are in the home with the family during these intense days with them. And that's something that you don't get in a lot of other clinic-based or, or hospital-based right. programs. Right. Whereas in the hospital-based programs, I got a lot of experience with lots and lots of different kids with different diagnoses and, you know, different backgrounds. So that was interesting and added a lot to my knowledge base as well, but was missing that family piece for sure that Spectrum is based on. Yeah. Um, And those are really important. You know, all of those swallowing and the medical side of things are, are still really important. And we love to work with, you know, I find myself even during the tube weaning program working with therapists who are seeing the child in that setting or working with doctors mm-hmm. who are seeing the child in that setting. And so it's it's still an important piece. But I think, yeah, merging those right. two is what makes it pretty unique. Right. I think so, too. And I think there's just so many things that we both learned in all of our backgrounds that we bring to the table as we've worked together and have formed this program. So you talked a little bit about some of the similarities. What are some of the differences or things that that were different maybe than you expected as you transitioned into the tube weaning program from the early intervention? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, one of the biggest differences, like I mentioned before, is just that early intervention is less intense, of course, seeing them weekly, one time a week versus every single day, multiple days or multiple times a day for 10 days. And so you're just not there and it's no one's fault. But within that setting of therapy, in the typical EI therapy, you're not there to see the difficult things that a parent or family might be going through during that time. Or you're not there to see the stress that they're feeling when they're left alone. And so with our program and with two weaning, I feel like we are talking to the family all day long, even if we're not there. And so we get to talk to them about why they're feeling the way they're feeling or what they found difficult during that one meal that we weren't at. And, you know, in early intervention, you do set a joint plan and you talk to the family about what they're going to practice for that next week, but a week's a long time. And so when we work with families and it's meal to meal, we're seeing how much stress can build up just within two hours. So I think that's really important to be able to 
to catch that and be able to focus on that with the families. Absolutely. I think that was one of the things that was probably the most eye-opening to me when I went from the hospital setting to the tube weaning setting is the extreme amount of stress and the extreme amount of difficulty and just the significant impact that having a feeding tube has on a family. I think I've always overlooked the importance or the, the significance and the stress that builds up from meal to meal. And I think the other thing that is a little surprising is the cumulative effect of the discouraging moments that come when, Mm -hmm. you know, repeated failures or repeated offerings of food are rejected and and just the the cumulative effect that has on the family and on the dynamic of parents and kids together. So Jamie, can you tell us some of the lessons you've learned from working with families in the tube weaning program that you bring forward to future tube weaning? What are some of the important lessons you've learned by being in the room with families for all those sessions? So one of the lessons I learned came from one of the big differences is just like the different amount of pressure and expectations that are there when it's a tube weaning program or when it's an intense program versus the weekly therapy. And one of the biggest things that I learned during that time is that you really can't rush parents into a mindset that they're not they might not be ready for, they're not sure why we're doing a certain therapy or why it looks the way it looks. You know, families have been through, every family has their own story. And so some families have been through really intense feeding therapy. Others have been through early intervention. Others have never had feeding therapy before. And so really talking to the family and figuring out what they know about feeding therapy and what they think of when they hear the word feeding therapy. Because ours looks a little different than what they might have been through. And it is less, you know, we're there to work with the family and it's working with the child as well, but it is a lot of reflecting and coaching the family through mealtimes and coaching them through strategies to help them feel independent. So I found that I really need to figure out where the family is when we start and then educate them and work together with them on, you know, showing them why I might be doing a certain thing or why I'm putting them in more control and I'm taking a step back. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people have been through a more typical feeding therapy where the focus is strategies and how you place the spoon and exercises that go on. And most of those feeding therapies, and myself included when I was back in that setting, completely underestimated the importance of what went on between the meals and what went leading up to the meals, what happened, what kind of cues the kids were giving. So I think a lot of people come in expecting this to be feeding therapy sessions five Mm -hmm. times a day instead of almost a revamping of their whole relationship around mealtimes. And so I think it's confusing if we don't sit down and start with exercises sometimes. But I think that's where the lesson about finding what families' beliefs are and what their expectations are and explaining why we're doing what we're doing is actually really important. And I think, have you found that to be confusing to some families? Absolutely. I feel like I know we as therapists have talked a little bit about sometimes when you first walk in on that first session or that first day, you get this sense that families are looking at you, expecting you to kind of take out a magic wand and be able to make their child eat or kind of help them immediately. And that's been something that I really had to learn and, and, you know, work on for myself is 
I get why they have those expectations. This is a big, a huge part of their life. And this is something that they've really invested in and they're really excited about. So it makes sense that they have those expectations. But we then also need to educate them on why we're doing what we're doing. And you're right. A lot of typical therapy does look like I'm working with your child on something. And again, although our program does work with your child on whatever they might need at that time, a lot of it is working with the families and talking to them about what they're expecting and what it might look like and yeah, their relationship with food or their relationship with their child and really breaking that down. I think it's funny. So many families come in using therapy words Mm -hmm. and their mealtimes no longer look like, or maybe they never did look like family mealtimes and they don't talk about things in a normal way. They use words like multiple salads and present the spoon and <laughs> they use yeah. all these therapy words and don't even realize, I don't think, how far they've strayed from what a typical family mealtime looks like and the value and the importance of going back to what a more typical family mealtime looks like because they've been taught this way. Mm-hmm. You know, this has been a part of their normal experience and I totally understand why they're there. But I think the family mealtime has been devalued in their experience. And so it feels funny to them to to try going back to that because they had to learn all the therapy words. And now it seems funny to have to unlearn some of that therapy. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. And you know, that is something that I think a lot of times they're some families have the expectation or are only happy with success if their child, you know, takes a spoonful of puree or eats the smeltable solid off the mm-hmm. plate. And so one other thing I've learned is that I need to start and we as a team do this even with each other when we're teaming with each other on kids is that we need to start pointing out all the small progress that their child makes and what those little goals versus just are they eating or are they not? Because when that's the focus, it can become Mm -hmm. a more negative environment. And I found that pointing out to them, you know, oh, wow, he wants to sit at the table with you and take small bites of your pancake. Yes, a pancake might be hard for him right now, but he's happy and he's enjoying Mm -hmm. it. And that's different than what he was doing yesterday. So just really, that's what I love about our program is we get to be there so frequently in the house that we're able to see those small little changes versus just a whole week goes by and it's okay, what did they do? That can be an overwhelming question to a family. Especially because they might have made some really minimal progress mm-hmm. in their eyes. But for our, you know, in our view, it's it's a big thing. But then by the time they come back around the next week, they've already forgotten the fact that they sat at the table mm-hmm. two times. And so then they never get to celebrate the progress. And so being their meal to meal during this really intensive time helps us to help them track their progress, but also help us help the family in the future when we're not in front of them anymore to say, do you remember what this looked like and what that like looked like because we were in the room with them for so many of those times in such an early formative part of the treatment. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think another, you know, piece that I, similar to what you were just saying of being able to help them when we're not there is even though we're there so frequently, the reason why we're not working so directly with the child and we are coaching them is because we do want them to be able to feel comfortable when we're not sitting at their family meal time. And so when they mm-hmm. transition home, part of follow-up, and even before follow-up, we kind of wean ourselves away from the family <laughs> and help them become independent. Because if they're only dependent, and this goes back to you know experience with early intervention, if they're only dependent on being successful when you're there or having you do it, then when you leave, 
how can we expect progress? So yeah, I think it's really important to let them feel confident and, and be able to, to notice those small changes and help their child when we're not there anymore. So we emailed some families and asked them some of the lessons they learned and some of the things that were harder than they expected. And we'll post the full context of what they wrote in our show notes if you want to check that out later so you can read exactly what a few families who've been through our program said. But I'm curious on what do you think is one of the hardest things that you've had to learn in this process? I think as a therapist, I've really had to learn, you know, again, we, that we really have to be patient with these, with some of the families and let them, we can educate them and tell them why our philosophy works and why we feel like why we're doing what we're doing. But until they really see it for their own eyes or they see the small amount of progress or they're able to trust their child to self-regulate or do whatever they might be doing, they're not going to really buy into it, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so I've really found that I just need to be patient with them and do, you know, they're the expert in their child and I'm the, we're the experts into weaning and feeding therapy. And so really finding that balance of, I can educate you on this, but I need your help on telling me how they might respond to this or what this might look like. Right. Well, it, it's interesting. I think all of the families that we've contacted and really most of the families that we work with, one of the hardest things is they need to learn to trust their child and they need to learn to trust their child's ability to self-regulate their intake and to trust their child's ability to overcome difficulty. And I think that echoes a lot of when I think about the hardest moments in tube weaning, when I, you know, go home at night and just can't get things out of my head Mm -hmm. sometimes in that process, because I understand how difficult it is. And, you know, I'm not only feeling my own difficulty, but I'm feeling the family's difficulty along with my own, because I know that they, that they're struggling with this. And I think that's kind of consistent with what everybody says. Everybody is having a hard time at some point in this process of learning to trust their child's instincts and to trust the, to allow their child to build on their own strengths instead of us stepping in and doing it for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, a lot of the answers we received were talking about how waiting was the hardest part and just like kind of, it was, that was the hard part because they were waiting at the same time that they were also wanting to put them in the child in control. So you're waiting, but you also feel like, I know you and Jenna talked about this last week, you can feel like you're doing nothing, but that doing nothing is actually the most important piece. And so that, but that also is one of the hardest pieces. And I agree as therapists, it's hard for us too. And we, since we're there so much with the family, we do, you know, you get close with these families and you do want to see the progress and you do want to help them through the stress that they're feeling. And so being there, we're able to help guide them through that and mm-hmm. and kind of help them understand these feelings. But at the same time, when families do, when it clicks and families do start to realize it, it's one of my favorite parts of the program. Well, and I think for families, another common response and another thing that I echo with them or, you know, commiserate with them or whatever, that one of the things that is difficult and rewarding all at the same time is working with the child's medical team. Mm-hmm. When we can all work together, it's such a satisfying experience because, you know, there's someone that's going to be able to take over when we're gone. But I think sometimes in the beginning, it feels like an uphill battle to get everybody on the same team and get everybody on board. And I know a lot of families 
In fact, I was talking to a family just yesterday. It was like, why do I feel like I'm crazy? Why do they make me feel like I'm Mm -hmm. crazy to think that I want my child to eat? That shouldn't be crazy. I was like, no, you're not crazy, but you are absolutely not the only one that feels like you're gearing up for battle every time you go and talk to the medical team about the importance of having your kitty by mouth instead of by tube. That shouldn't be difficult. No, not at all. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of families tell us is that they, you know, have had that difficult battle. And that's something else that we have to keep in mind too, as therapists, because these, some of these families have really don't have a lot of trust in medical professionals or therapists or people who are trying to get their child to eat. And so they come to us, some of families come to us with that background. And that's another thing we really just have to keep in mind because we need to earn their trust and show them that why we're doing what we're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that it is amazing though. And so exciting when after a child is, you know, wherever they are in the program, when we're able to work with their medical team and talk with them about the progress we've seen and help them through follow-up and let their medical team know that they're not done after these 10 days. We're with them for a long time after that. And we're going to be there to help them through the ups and downs that come with you know, being a toddler or being a baby. And so we're there to help them through that. But yeah, that's, that's a huge part. I definitely think a lot of families, it's, it's exciting when they start to be able to trust their medical team and, and work with them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Well, and a couple of the families commented in their, their emails about, about making sure that, or, or realizing that you are an expert in your child mm-hmm. yourself and that you need to be an advocate for your child. And a lot of families have handled it differently. And, and I think we'll have a session or a podcast in the future talking about how to work with the medical team and the importance of that. But it, it's certainly been a big part of the journey for almost all of our families on how to start that dialogue and have mm-hmm. a discussion with them instead of just leaving them and going off on your own and doing it, but really building a team or finding professionals who will listen to you and who will work with you, I think has been really key in the success of a lot of families that I can think of. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's an important piece. Like we talked about earlier, it's not something we can ignore. A lot of kids need, every kid needs their medical team and they need their support. And so we want to be able to help you help families, you know, work with them and be able to be successful while also being safe and being within those parameters and, and getting along and, and building a plan for them as they move forward to being, you know, in, in eater. So it's, yeah, it's a really great part of the program. So we've talked a lot about hard things and difficult things and lessons learned. But really the reason why we keep getting up and doing this job every day is, is the fun moments. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, I was on vacation last week at the end of last week and I had just finished working with a little girl and I was, you know, a little curious on what had happened the weekend that I was off because I'm used to having daily contact with them. And Mm -hmm. so soon after the 10 days when we were done, I wasn't sure what I was going to be coming back to. And so when I talked to this little girl's mom yesterday, she's like, she did so great. I couldn't (laughs) wait to tell you. I couldn't wait for her call so I could tell you all the things that she did while you were gone over the weekend. And she went from, in those four days, she had gone from taking a few small bites by spoon to a couple of times a day taking two ounces or so by spoon at a meal. And they were just so excited to share the progress that she'd made. And that is one of the moments I think that I'm so excited to come back to and and what makes this job so meaningful and rewarding is the fact that they couldn't wait to tell me mm-hmm. what had happened as they continued working together. So tell me about a couple of moments that you can think of or types of things that you enjoy? What are the, what are the moments that mean something to you? 
you get such a close relationship with these families and with the child and because you're there so much with them and you really become a part of their family for those 10 days and as long as they need and follow up. And it's, I love that part of the tube breeding program. And I love that part of my job because the texts that we get or the random photos that we get two months later or all of those, you know, those are just amazing. And I recently got a email from a family that, you know, this child was used to be fed, you know, he was on a continuous feed for 18 hours. He had to wear a backpack with his feeding tube everywhere. And they, you know, vacations were tough and it's hard to do. And they emailed me and said they were finally able to take their first family vacation to Disney World. And he ate all the ice cream and the pizza and everything his brothers were eating. And they just had so much fun. And that was just amazing to know that that impact on a family of being able to, we were able to help them and they were able to feel confident enough. We guided them, but they really were able to be able to make that decision and and feel comfortable and confident enough to go mm-hmm. on this family vacation. So that was that was really awesome. And I just in general, I think, you know, the moment when families really start to realize that they can trust their child and that they don't need to be prompting them or they don't need to be telling them to eat is awesome. I know like it probably happens a lot to all of us during a wean, but there's a meal time where all of a sudden you'll catch yourself talking to the families about something you did over the weekend or a vacation you went on. And instead of talking about and looking at the child, you're having your own conversation and their child's just over there eating their breakfast. And I love being able to point that out to families because it's huge for them. And it's something that I don't even think they realized how amazing it is that they were able to get there, but it's, it's awesome when you see it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of my favorite moments for most kids is for most kids that I've worked with is there's a growing independence that Mm -hmm. happens with the kids. And it's not just food. I remember one little kiddo, he was probably about 18 months old and he was a little guy and he was in one of those little seats that clip on to the table. Mm -hmm. So he kind of drooped down in his little chair Mm -hmm. a little bit. And there was one day when he ate a whole bunch, like he ate several ounces, whereas before he'd been just taking a bite here and there. And he was making good progress. Like that was all great stuff. But suddenly this day he ate a whole bunch and you could see that he felt better afterwards. And he just looked more proud of himself. And his dad even looked at him. He's like, is he sitting up straighter? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think he is. And we could all see like he was sitting up in this little droopy chair. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just proud of himself. And I just think, you know, there's kids that take first steps and say first words. And I've even thinking of a little guy who was four and he'd always been afraid of going on those inflatable slides Mm -hmm. he would always get halfway up the steps and then would start climbing back down and everybody had to get back down again and get out of the way because he was afraid to go to the top and during the weaning process we'd gone to a little festival nearby and he was able to climb all the way to the top and go down the slide a whole bunch of times and they'd been trying that all summer long yeah so just that independence and the pride and the self-control and self-regulation that they're learning with eating does mm-hmm. carry over so much, I think. Yeah. And that independence yeah. is is a huge piece too. You know, even just like you said, kids do, we often see that they happen to make these milestones or they start doing something that they maybe were a little hesitant to do. And, but just those moments of being able to also get out of the house and do things that you might, parents might not have thought of doing before. I know, and mm-hmm. I love to go to restaurants with families during our weaning process or the parks or just get them out of the house. It helps with the stress, but it also helps with, you know, working on all those different skills and and taking a step back from focusing on the eating and Mm -hmm. just letting them be a kid and and have fun. I know 
I had a family where we just, we went to a diner for breakfast during the morning, one morning during the weaning process. And they were so excited just to be able to order something off the menu for him. That was a huge thing. And it's something that, you know, I didn't think about really at first. And they were able to pick something that he ate and he just ate his pancakes and bacon the whole time while we had a normal breakfast at the diner. And it's, it's being able to do all those things that a lot of families have reported and told us that that's one of the things that when they realize he's their kids and eaters, when they can kind of go out and do have these normal routines in their life. Yeah. Well, it's always astonishing to me how long lasting the, the impact is. Mm -hmm. I remember getting a father's day text from someone when we had worked the spring before, and I just got a text on father's day that said one of the great moments of being a father was being able to eat with his child and he didn't realize how he was missing it and that it never got old. And that had been almost a year before. It's amazing. Um, So it's just how I think we hear over and over again, again, it's in some of the show notes too. the parents that they still get joy out of watching their kids eat with their friends or still get joy out of eating with their kids. And it's such a small thing Mm -hmm. to so many people, but it's just such a big thing for families whose whose kids have been on a feeding tube, even for a short period of time, it, it's just a, an important part of being a parent. Definitely. Yeah, I know. I've gotten the lunchbox photo of their first day of kindergarten. And, you know, we worked with them when they were two or things like that. And so I love, that's one of my favorite parts of this job is just being able to get these updates and being so close with the family that they trust you and they want to keep you updated too. Well, it, it, one of the reasons why we call this episode Every Moment Matters is because the parents tell us that those moments do matter and that even when they have those negative times, even in the midst of when they're just figuring out the tube and the kids are throwing the tube up and it, it feels like you're in the darkest moments of your life, that there are these happy moments, even if it's just ordering a donut at Dunkin' <laughs> Donuts with dad for daddy-daughter Saturday or whatever, that all of those moments come together and make this such a, a meaningful and important process and time together. And all those those moments come together and create the outcomes that we see. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about some of these little moments that we shared with you this morning. If you do want to check out the show notes, we have some more notes from families that we asked about their experiences. If you're following us on social media, we would love to hear your stories too. And I know other families would enjoy and appreciate knowing that other people are struggling or that there's things that you can look forward to that bring hope to where they are right now. If you have questions or topics for future episodes, we'd love to hear those as well. We hope this has been helpful. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. I love being able to talk about all these moments that families share with us. Obviously, we could go on and on, couldn't we? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we will see you next week for another episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.